So I'm a father of one. I gotta find a babysitter. I found care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. Welcome into OBR Weekly here on the OBR Streaming Network. Uh, you can catch us on YouTube and, of course, Twitch. My name is Brad Ward. I'm subbing in for the one and only Barry McBride, who's uh, dealing with uh, some things right now. And I'm standing in for him with the legendary Fred Greetham. You can follow him on Twitter at Fred Greetham9. How are we doing on this uh, wonderful uh cut down final 53 evening fred well it's final until it's not but until it's not till tomorrow morning. yeah i'm doing i'm doing well um trying to catch my breath it just seems like these days are kind of like you know just trying to drink drink out of a fire hose you know you got stuff you got rumors, you got everything and you're trying to sort it out and trying to, you know, just make the moves and let's be done with it. You know, <laughs> you know it's <laughs> like we waited today and they, they did come out with a practice squad, but yeah, it didn't seem like things were finalized. They still have to do something with at least one of the players, maybe two of them um, putting them on IR. I can't imagine a guy that, could be out four to six weeks would stay on the active roster. So they got to make some more move, at least one, but probably yes. two. Yeah. So that's where we can start there, right? Jordan Kanasich is going to miss. Do we know how much time? Four or five weeks? I think um, Brad had a source, Brad Stainbrick, four yeah. to six weeks. So okay. that, that sounds in line. What, what I have read a uh, grade two, MCL sprain. I mean, I think grade one is one to three weeks. So he must be a little more, um, but no surgery, just it heals on its own. Yeah. And uh, so I would expect him now, they kept him on the roster. I expect him to go to the short-term IR, which a refresher on the rules, you have to miss four games. So that would take them four games is convenient, takes you to the buy. So that gives you a nice cushion you can expect, I would think, him to come back in the fifth game unless it's a little more, uh, you know, against 49ers, unless it's a little more involved than what we first thought. Alex Wright, I've seen him yesterday and today out on the field with yeah. the trainers. Um, he might be a little further along, you know, than anybody knows. Maybe he's going to stay and they might choose not to put him on the to miss four games. So Isaiah Thomas was also out there with him today, but he was put on practice squad. So it really doesn't matter with him right now. But yeah, I would expect, I think Brad also reported that Maurice Hurst is coming back. Yeah. And that would probably be the logical replacement for Kunasek. So at least at least one of those moves there. So you know I don't feel too bad. I think out of the 53 initial, I had 50. Um, 
and one was York because I only went with the guys that were currently on the roster. Yeah. And nobody uh, had that one. Yeah. And Hurst and Dunn were the other two. And I think when it's all said and done, no pun there, um, Hurst will be back and done. I guess he's on the practice squad. So I guess that would put me about 51 out of 53. No, that's excellent. Uh, yeah, nobody had York and, uh, you know, uh, for Hopkins. Yeah, so initially it felt like going into last night that it was probably, you know, Alex Wright to the IR, Michael Dunn to the roster is kind of what people were speculating. And, of course, Maurice Hurst uh, back on the 53-4. Kanasich, it feels like now it's maybe just Kanasich that Dunn's on the because who else would who else would you fill in potentially say they did decide to put Alex Wright on the IR overnight and we already we think we know that Maurice Hurst according to Brad Stainbrook is coming back tomorrow to fill Kanasich's spot who's going to the IR who would be the other player you think that would fill in if if they did put Alex Wright on the IR well you know it might be an elevation it might be you know somebody they only claimed the cornerback and to make room for him, they cut AJ green today. So yeah. I think they want AJ green back. I would think at the practice squad, um, they have one spot left and that'll kind of be jockeying around. I was a little surprised. I have to think they tried to get Demetric Felton back or John Kelly and Felton chose to go with the Bengals. I'm just guessing that because they have, they re they brought back Hassan Hall and, you know, from what I saw in training camp, he was the, he didn't show me anything, you know, as far as that goes. So I would have thought they would have went with Felton or um, Kelly, but maybe both of them opted to not come back. So that's where that is. I wouldn't be surprised if another running back comes in. I mean, still, it looks pretty lean at practice. They only had four out there. Hall was practicing today, but yeah, I mean, with with Strong and Hall, and then Ford kind of iffy behind Chubb. So we'll see. But I had I had to uh, look up this guy's the pronunciation of his name so that I could say this right. But uh, the cornerback Khalif Halasi. Uh, I think I got that right, is uh, claimed by the Browns and they cut A.J. Green. And then, you know, as you mentioned, they probably hoping to get him back on the practice squad. But uh, this is a little surprising, right? I mean, at least it surprised me. What do you what do you take away from this? What what do you make of this, Fred? Uh, and what does it tell you about the roster? They just really fall in love with this guy or I mean, they had to have, right? Yeah, I mean, Stefanski said he played well against the Browns the other day and he he almost had an interception. I don't remember the play or when it was, but they said they had him graded high. Um, I know Kansas City paid him 100000 to sign with him. So that tells me the Browns probably were in on the bidding there. But I'm going to call him Khalif. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. My take more is that they're not as high on A.J. Green as a lot of people think they are. Maybe that comes from Jim Schwartz. I mean, 
AJ Green made the team or he made the practice team originally as a undrafted and they gave him money and he's been around, you know, this is his fourth year, I think. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you noticed in the game the other day, he played almost the whole game yeah. and, and you wondered why would a frontline guy or the number four corner, especially when I've watched in practice, they're playing three cornerbacks most of the time, mm-hmm. you know, in Ward Newsom and Martin Emerson. So about any, the fourth one would almost be, you know, the, the top sub. Yeah. So when he played as much as he did, either they were just low on numbers or they were not as high on him as everybody thinks. I think they're higher on the draft pick Cameron Mitchell and obviously um, Khalif, they, they graded him higher and it might be the special teams because Michael Ford was a free agent cornerback. They signed him to be a core special teamer. And I think they had about the same type of guaranteed money. I'd have to ask Jack on that. But as far as all things being equal, I think that Ford's a better special teams guy and they may be using him, you know, as the fourth corner, you know, him or Mitchell, you know, I can't expect, I don't know if this Khalif will immediately step in there. It wasn't like he was a high draft pick. He was undrafted as well from Western Kentucky. So that tells you how highly they think of him or how they think of AJ Green. You know, I think, I mean, the guy's in his fourth year, you'd think, you know, he would have established himself. And I think most people thought that he did establish himself last year and why they moved on from Greedy Williams and and yeah. so forth. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But to to take a guy off another team, um, I think they, they always like for those diamonds in the rough. And if you can get an undrafted free agent, you know, that come in, you can hit gold because – you don't have to pay them a lot and you have them for four years. And I think that's one of the reasons Ronnie Hickman has been, has stuck to the roster and Mohammed Diabete, um, you know, and some of the other guys, you know, so we'll see I, what happens here, but yeah, Khalif, they liked him. Yeah, obviously they liked him a lot. And you know what's interesting about this, Fred, is, you know, you mentioned that it's A.J. Green's fourth year and and how it helps the roster building so much because, you know, you get these guys for four years and you don't have to pay them anything, right? It almost feels like they're taking, you know, A.J. Green, they're taking another outside man corner and replacing him with a UDFA so they can have another four years of a corner that does the same thing A.J. Green just did for the last three years. It feels a little bit like because uh, he would have been in his fourth year and owed a payday next season. So instead, well, I miss right. I mistook. I mean, he was a undrafted free agent in 2021. So this is really Green's third season, not his fourth season. OK, OK. Still same, you know, you get the same, same idea. You get the, yeah, same idea. You're you're substituting a younger, what they maybe think better or a more promising guy that's going to be on uh, a UDFA contract for the next four years. It's interesting. Does this tell you, Fred, anything about the status of Denzel Ward? Or do you know anything about the status of a Denzel Ward at this point? I do not, other than... 
I did hear I did hear from one source that said that they thought he had a good chance of playing in the game um, in two weeks. That it wasn't as severe. Now I we we asked Stefanski that today, and he didn't even know the answer. Is if somebody that like in other words when if you've had three concussions and you get your fourth, if automatically you go to another level, he said he thought they were all treated independently, like the severity. Yeah. So that would be good from that standpoint with war, because if it escalates, you know, I know there was one that he was out for a long time. I can't remember how many well, games, but it was like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, it was like, it just seemed like it was, Several games last a couple years missed, ago. Yeah, I think last year he missed four weeks with one. I think maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, it might he's have been, had might he's had injuries that have cost him about four games every year. Yeah, but they weren't all concussion. But he had two as a rookie. So I, I, yeah, I, I, not sure exactly on the rules, but I don't know definitively. But with that said, you would have thought you would have kept Green on the roster just with that uncertainty, just so you had a experienced body. Exactly. I mean, you got Mike Ford and Cameron Mitchell is is basically the next two guys beside Khalif. So now, now what? Ha- I guess they probably feel there's a good chance they'd be able to get green back on the practice squad. And then you can elevate them if need be on game day. Um, So that could be their thinking. You know, I know that being around and observing uh, Andrew Barry and Jack Duffin's been very good on that, on the tendencies, you, you can kind of see a pattern with guys that, you know, when they're, when they're doing these final, roster calisthenics so to say um they're doing it with a purpose it's one of the reasons i had him waving austin watkins if you remember nobody even knew who he was he wasn't on any roster he was even like the fifth wide receiver on a usfl team yeah um he signed on the eve of training camp in west virginia sure he, he balled out he did great in the preseason but you just don't go, you know, like that to the top. Whereas when, when a waiver wire hits, a name like a David Bell would ring with GMs that had him high on their list, you know, um, last year. And same way with, with other guys. So that's what how they do this stuff. Sometimes like a Maurice Hurst or a Michael Dunn, they had to feel pretty good. They could cut them and get them back. You know, obviously there are some things with, you know, being a veteran or being on waivers and different things like that. So I know all that goes into the equation um, in the same way with the practice squad, you know, they took a calculated risk on guys that they cut that they wanted back on the practice squad, but, they're always going to be the factor of guys saying, you know, I don't want to go back there. You know, a guy like Felton might say, you know, they drafted me, but they've really not given me a chance. And so I'll go to another team if I have to go to a practice squad, you know, or the same thing with Cade York, you know, like, well, you know, the Patriots traded, or I mean the Titans traded 
for a 38, 39-year-old kicker. The Browns traded for a 32-year-old kicker with a $2 million salary this year and a $3 million salary next year. Am I ever going to see the field if I stay in Cleveland? So yeah. that's that's how it works. And I know Brad Stainbrook said that he felt in talking you know, to some of his sources that um, York wanted to come back here. But I think when, when everything is presented in front of them, hey, I have a better chance to get back in the NFL on a team, 53-man roster. And you think about that, if the Browns really wanted York back, you can always pluck them off a practice squad. But um, I don't know. I don't know what his contract situation, you know, is. But you have to put them on the active roster. Wouldn't that yeah. be something if they – signed him to the active roster and he's just sat there for three weeks or whatever. I don't think they do that because their roster spots seem to be pretty valuable at this point. It was kind of uh, strange a little bit to me that they signed a kicker and put him on the practice yeah. squad. I don't know anything about him. I did, some of that stuff happened, happened so fast. I didn't even have a chance to read up much about the guy. I don't know much about him either. His name's Lucas Haversick. I'm going to guess on that uh, pronunciation. So, yeah, it's, I found it interesting, too, that they would carry a kicker, obviously uh, a just-in-case guy, I guess, at this point. Um, Fred, Felton, you know, I think they got back pretty much everybody that they wanted to get back practice-wise, except for really Felton and York, right? And Felton elects to go with the Bengals. Uh I had thought of this, tweeted about it. A couple people have asked about it in the chat. Does this give the Bengals a little bit of a, I mean, they kind of have an, any insight into what the Browns are doing offensively? Uh, was there any, uh, you, you think anything went into that decision to bring Felton on their practice squad? Like, hey, we can we can sit this guy down and, and drill him for all, everything they're doing on offense for week one. Well, I didn't really think about that. I mean, that's a possibility. Um, I'm sure teams do those kind of things. Um, I don't know what, you know, I know Dimitrik, you know, got to know him pretty well. You know, I don't, I, <laughs> I, I would guess that he's a very quiet, soft-spoken individual, but um, yeah, I'm sure that, I'm sure that there might come into play, you know, but I don't know it. You can, I, I can tell you secrets, Brad, but you still got to stop me, you know, or vice versa. Um, you know, I think they can look at the tape. You know, most of what the Browns ran in preseason was pretty much basic. Yeah. Um, I don't know to how much into, you know, how much into depth, just, just getting some concepts. I mean, I don't know all the X's and O's, but I could tell you from watching, you know, and I think the Bengals could pick up on it. They're going to use Elijah Moore quite a bit in the slot and out of the backfield and out wide. And, you know, they're going to run, you know, Nick Chubb, you know, and it's pretty much stop us. You know, I don't, yeah. I think all these teams are pretty sophisticated and they know what the other teams are really going to do. Um, Stefanski said about it. They play all three of the division opponents in the first four weeks. And 
and all of them are very familiar with one another because there's been stability there where it's kind of the same systems on offense, defense, on pretty much all the teams, you know, at least the personnel. I mean, I guess you could say there's some new wrinkles, you know, with with the Steelers, new with the Ravens, you know, as well. But as far as, for the most part, they're all running the same system. And Stefanski's got the same system for four years now. New defensive system. And I think that would be more that, if I was the Bengals, I'd be wanting to try to pick the brain of, but I don't know how in-depth Felton would be on that stuff because that's it's what I've been saying on here. I really think that's a big advantage for the Browns. Jim Schwartz has coached in the NFL, so they can look at his tape from the Titans or the Eagles. I guess it's primarily the Eagles the last time he was a coordinator. Yeah, And you can see what he did, but these are different players. You don't know yeah. how he's going to exactly use Miles Garrett and Zedaria Smith and Okoronkwo and, and the three corners and, and safeties and all that. So I think it's a big advantage, especially in that Bengals game, because that's going to be fresh. You can guarantee he hasn't shown anything that he's going to be doing. You haven't even seen Garrett on the field, yeah. you know, when they, when they kick off September 10th. So I, I do think, you know, that is where the Browns have the bigger advantage, to be honest with you, is the defensive side of the ball when it comes to the Bengals. Yeah, I would agree, uh, <clears throat> you know, to take them uh, by surprise with some of their schematic stuff is certainly an advantage they have week one, not knowing what uh, Schwartz is going to do or how he's going to deploy uh, this talented defense and this defense. I mean, there's a lot of new players on this defense that these guys haven't seen in the division. Um, question about uh, Marquise Goodwin, who for me was kind of one of the biggest things that's happened the past few days is, is his health. Right. Uh, Cause to me, he kind of changes the offense a little bit and he brings that speed element back that, they've been missing for some time. So certainly encouraging to hear that he's going to be back. Do you expect him to be able to play week one, Fred? Well, you know, Stefanski, I'm, I'm writing about him. I was going to do it today, but I, so much happened. I didn't get to it, but um, he said there's a good chance he could play, you know, in the game. Goodwin thinks he he's going to be able to play. I don't know from the answer. He, we talked to him yesterday and I think, the way he answered a question was, I don't know if it's, if there's another medical hurdle, he almost answered it. Like as long as he's cleared by the doctors, he's going to be ready to go. So I don't know if there's a difference in being cleared for practice in a game, but it is a huge step that the first practice after the cuts, he was out there. He was out there again today. So he's been out there two days. He looks good. He does. Yeah, he does bring an element. And, you know, when they signed him, I kind of did, eh. you know, I looked at his career stats and it was like, you know, he's a journeyman, a 20 catch <clears throat> guy, you know, or something. But he impressed me in June minicamp. Um, they ran him on the deep ball and he ran by some of them younger corners and safeties and, uh, and had a couple great bomb catches diving and in stride with Watson they looked like they really had a connection and then then obviously you know after mini camp he just dis, he disclosed that he had 
some shortness of breath and stuff. And that's when they discovered the blood clot situation. Um, I think he does. I think they were really planning on him being a big part, just like Elijah Moore. <laughs> I think they want him to stretch the field. If you just put him out there and you send him on a go route, that's going to, they're going to have to put one or two guys on the, on him. And that frees up all that underneath stuff with Amari Cooper, Peoples Jones, uh, Najoku, Elijah Moore, Nick Chubb out of the backfield. You can't cover all of them. So yep. I'm interested to see. And that, again, because he didn't play in the preseason, could work in the Browns' favor, is that he's a completely unknown as well. The, the defenses are going to have to pick their poison. And if you spread out, I think realistically they're going to spread the field. And if teams are all spread out, then you got the weapon of Deshaun Watson taking off for 10 to 15 yards and just running and getting a first down going out of bounds. So I'm really excited to see how they're going to use some of this. But I think Goodwin, I do think, you know, it's a big step that he's on the field. I think that he looks in tremendous shape to me. He kind of wink winked. And when he was saying, you know, now getting yourself in shape, he was like, I'm in shape. The yeah. question is football shape, but it's a little different. You know, this isn't a lineman or a linebacker that's getting pounded, you know, getting, he's pretty much, you know, a, a guy in space down the field. I don't know if he's going to be running over the middle, that type of, you know, situation. He's a slight guy, 5'9", 180, 185, speed guy. So I think that they wanted to use Anthony Schwartz, in situations like, you know, jet sweeps and and flanker screens, stuff like that, getting them out in space. I think that Goodwin's a candidate for that, as well as the deep ball, as well as Elijah Moore, you know. And so, you know, right now I would think it's optimistic that he's going to be close to playing. And I think if he's able to play, he'll, you know, he'll be – suiting up for some plays, maybe even just a package. Yeah. Bradley Bruns in the chat with a uh, $5 super chat. Thank you, Bradley. And he uh, saying here, just imagine Cooper in the X more Z Goodwin in the slot and a shotgun handoff to Chubb. Kind of exactly what you're saying there. Pick your poison. And even that, you know, throw in Njoku, you know, out there too. I mean, it's just absolutely weapons all over the field. So thank you for the super chat, Bradley. And, and I 100% agree uh, kind of exactly what uh, Fred was saying there. Fred, uh, do you have any initial thoughts on Pierre Strong? Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No, um, a couple, he's a little bigger. And, you know, I think that with his speed, they envision him to maybe, you know, they felt he was better than Demetric Felton or John Kelly. And I think it's because he can do a little more with special teams. You know, a Bill Belichick, rookie, guy like him has to learn how to play special teams. And he talked about that. And Kevin Stefanski talked about it. I think that might have been the edge that made them trade for him. They knew he was probably going to get cut, but they wanted him. So they earmarked him and made that deal. So um, obviously you can't tell much in watching him, you know, in in 10 minutes of stretching and and running with a rubber band around their waist. Yeah. And by the way, because now – we're only allowed to watch individual drills. No seven on sevens. We have to go in now after 20 minutes. So we're seeing stretching an individual. It's regular season mode for the media. So it's about 20 minutes. So that's why my videos are really limited. We actually even were told today, you know, don't video this because the quarterback and wide receiver were doing a little something, you know, different. So I don't even know what it was. So I couldn't report anyway, but yeah, but I heard the guy come over and say, put your phones away for, so anyway, you know, but strong, I think that he fits the bill what they want. I mean, I saw his speed. I think it was sub four, four and, yeah. you know, and so he could be a, he could also be a candidate for kick returner. If drone forwards back, I think he'll probably be in the mix for kick returner. I know it was mixed last year after Grant went down. They kind of just did it by committee. They started out with Felton on the punt, and then Peoples-Jones took over. And with kickoff, I think Jerome Ford did a pretty good job till he got hurt. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they end up doing. Um, I know they brought back Jalen Darden to me. He's the – probably the best option. And again, with those game day elevations, um, I would not be surprised if he's healthy and he was out practicing today, he could be the guy they do that with. I yeah. said this all along, even when Jakeem Grant was healthy, that I wasn't sure they could have us a, a designated spot for a specialist returner, especially with the, the new rules on kick returns. And I thought they might keep Grant or Darden on the practice squad 
and elevate them on game day. I know there's a limit of like four times or something, but I, they did that with Chester Rogers last year after Mm -hmm. Felton proved he couldn't do it. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, something like that as well, but PR strong, I think they may even try him back there, you know, in the return game. Yeah. Um, the uh, they've de-emphasized the kickoff in the uh, NFL, and you have Donovan Peoples-Jones. Does it seem like Donovan DPJ is going to return punts? You think? Like I said, I mean, if nothing else, even if he's the number two receiver, I don't know if you want him out there. Yeah, he could at least fair catch, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> obviously, he returned one for a touchdown last year, and you know. If he wouldn't have done that, he probably wouldn't even be in the mix as the number two receiver. But again, I think Darden might even be the the best candidate to be the punt returner. It just comes down to, I think you can elevate now 48 for game day and only five inactive. It used to be like six or seven, I think. So that might might allow him to bring up a specialist. And it could be Darden for the punt return. Because I... I think all things being equal, they do not want Peoples Jones to be the the primary punt returner, but they know he can do it, especially if he's going to be the number two wide receiver. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Another thing that makes a lot of sense is going over to the OBR, especially right now, because we are offering the season kickoff special of 75% off of the best Brown subscription uh, service in the game at the OBR, 75% off. Uh, and that comes out to $30 a year uh, for the Browns uh, subscription, and it is the best in the land. Uh, so go to the OBR.com right now and make sure you take advantage of the 75% off offer. Season kickoff special. Get all of the best work from Jake Burns, Andrew Spade, Jack Duffin, Brad Stainbrook, Cody Sook, Michael Keefe, of course, Fred Greetham, and Barry McBride. Of course, when you go over there, you can get all of Fred's work uh, at the Greetham angle, uh, which is always fantastic work as he is uh, uh, on top of things and locked in always. So 75% off season kickoff special at the OBR. Go now and take advantage. All right. Uh, moving on to some other things that happened today, uh, that little bit of surprise. Some of the guys at the OBR, speaking of which, kind of called this, but uh, the Browns go out and add a former first-round pick, Alex Leatherwood, to the roster. Uh, that was kind of a surprise. Thoughts on that and, and uh, that move there? Yeah, I mean, number one pick, first-round pick of out of Alabama. I mean, I've seen we I've seen a trend with Andrew Barry. Again, a guy probably stood out to him that they were high on in the draft. Yeah. Those first round pick guys, I mean, going back to Carl Joseph, the first year is here, he brought him in. He was a first round guy that didn't stick with his team. And then you had the Taven Bryan and and uh, you know, there's been guys like that every year. And I think Leatherwood would just fit that description, especially if you can put him on the practice squad. And with Bill Callahan here, you might be able to turn that guy into, there's a reason he was a first round pick. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and he played at Alabama. I mean, 
people would say, well, Jedrick Wills did too or whatever, but maybe, maybe there's just something with a fresh start. I mean, it's your practice squad. So, you know, I, that to me is an Andrew Berry type move is again, that had to just flag when he hits the waiver wire. Um, they, you know, they were a little low. I think they got rid of most of their guards. You know, they have like three centers on the roster. Yeah. But they're they're counting on guy like Nick Harris and Luke Whipler, you know, to be able to be backup guards as well. And Michael Dunn's on the practice squad. So again, he could be an elevation game day. So with that said, um, no, I'm not surprised. I don't know a lot about him, but as I know, he's a first round pick. So I think that means a lot more to Andrew Barry and they just felt like he's too, too good of an opportunity to work with Bill Callahan because we've seen guys. I remember when the COVID year, the Browns had two guards, but they, most of us felt you really need to go out in free agency and get a, a frontline guard to start opposite of Joel Batonio. And if, if you remember at the time I read what I said, Callahan had a quote and said, I think between Drew Forbes and Wyatt Teller, we have, we have a couple good candidates. We all know the story. Drew Forbes made a bad career decision, at least as a football player, he opted out for COVID that year. And we know the rest, Wyatt Teller became a pro bowl, you know, right guard. And yeah. he's got the big contract. And so what what, what if Bill Callahan f- taps into the potential of Leatherwood and you get a guy on the cheap that has all this talent? So, you know, gamble. you can't have enough because, you know, they got Jedrick Wills. You know, do you give him the big contract or do you move on after next year? You got Dewan Jones in the in the pipeline. James Hudson, I have to think they still are high on him or they would have moved on. And you got Conklin who signed an extension, but probably, you know, won't be here that much longer. So that's what you want is these guys, you know, to be able to step in. Luke Whipler, you know, is kind of the heir apparent to Posick, in my opinion. I think it's a credit to Harris to work his way to get on the roster when he lost the job, he was, you know, the starting center. So, you know, a team might come a calling and they might be able to trade him, you know? So yeah, who knows? Really happy for uh, um, Harris making the team after last year. That was just uh, devastating. Uh, you know, the work he put in to win the uh, starting center job and then kind of got Wally pipped. Um, some people in the chat asking about uh, Ford being at practice. Would you trend him towards playing in week one, Fred, or just not sure yet? You cut out. What What was that? Oh, uh, F- Ford. Ford. Uh, is he back well, in practice, and do you think he'll play week one? You know, I think there's a good chance. I think that it's telling that yesterday and the day before, they cut four running backs. You know, they cut Jordan Wilkins first. I think that was Sunday. Maybe yeah. Monday. I'm losing all these days. But then <laughs> Tuesday they cut Felton, Kelly, and Hassan Hall. So they cut 
the other four running backs, there's only six in with them all camp and Chubb and Ford were the only two standing. You would have thought you would have kept Felton or Kelly, at least on the roster as insurance that Ford wasn't going to play. So I think he's going to play that he came back to practice yesterday is a big sign to me. I mean, just like it's apples to oranges, but Joe Burrow's practicing with the Bengals. He's going to play, you know, and you can tell by the cuts they made, they cut one of their veteran quarterbacks. Um, And so I think with um, Ford, he's going to, he's going to be able to play. Now that's nothing official. I'm just saying, I'm reading the tea leaves. He practiced both days. Obviously we're not going to see any game action or anything like that. He, they might ease him into it. He may not return kicks the first game. You know, maybe he won't for the season. I don't know, but I wouldn't yeah. be surprised that they have him in, you know, a package in there. I mean, he's further along than Pierre Strong. I mean, Pierre Strong's been here two days. He's been here two years. He knows yeah. the system. He knows the plays. Um, and I would have thought you would have a running back that knows the system, you know, in case Chubb needs to a break or something. So short answer yeah. is yes, I do think he's going to play. Yeah. You would think they would have kept somebody else around uh, that had the experience if it wasn't, if they weren't planning on him playing interesting, uh, you know, pickup for uh, is PJ Walker, kind of a fun pickup. He fits the trend of what they have at quarterback, you know, with Watson and DTR as a mobile quarterback, and uh, um, they let Mond go as some tricky reporting early on in the day. It sounded like Mond was going to be on the practice squad, then he's off the practice squad. Now it's PJ Walker. Thoughts on PJ Walker as the practice squad quarterback? And, uh, you know, I, it seems to me like he kind of the perfect guy to be your uh, scout team quarterback for, you know, some of the guys that they play in a more mobile uh, quarterback NFL these days. Yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure what was going on with mind. Um, yeah. When they sent out the release, I had most all of them down and, but it said they had 15 to the practice squad and I kept adding up to 16 and I went over it and over it. And in fact, I think I even published it and mind was on the list and it took me about five times before I realized, Oh, Mine's not on this list. And so then if I took him off, you know, it's so strange because last year they went out of their way to keep the guy. They cut the backup quarterback when Watson came back. They cut Josh Dobbs, who back, backed up Brissett the first 11 weeks. Yeah. And then, you know, because they did not want to take a chance on losing Mond, and they kept him on the active roster all season – he was inactive for all 17 games because they were afraid to lose him. If he was on the practice squad, somebody would take him. This year, they already showed their hand when they cut him, you know, the day that they ended up trading Dobbs and then recalled him. So, yeah, I don't know the full story there if they tried to get him or they just said, you know, P.J. Walker's an upgrade. We want him more so than mine. I don't, I don't look into it that deep to find out these are things that happen so fast. You know, it's hard to follow all these stories, but I was a little surprised. I thought they were going to have one guy on the practice squad, but 
right now it's PJ Walker and and uh, Kevin Stefanski said they you know they like his skill set and I don't know much about him, um, so I think he's obviously has more experience. He played in some yeah. games last year. So as far as, I mean, the bottom line is if Deshaun Watson goes down, you're probably in a world of hurt anyway especially for the season or long-term, but the DTR, you know, by the way, the media, we voted him the Maurice Bassett award winner, the most outstanding rookie of camp. Um, so kudos to him. Is but that who you I voted think, for? Yes, I did. Can you disclose that? All right. Oh yeah. Um, and I voted for Dewan Jones as runner up. There was a lot of good candidates. Diabate, yeah, Hickman, all got votes. There were six guys that got votes. Yeah, it's in my notes today. Um, I didn't make yeah. a main story out of it, but it's in the, the notes on today's, uh, on the OBR.com. But as far as um, all things being equal, I think that they're trying to stay with a similar skill set. And I, I'm I mean, what I remember, Walker's more of a mobile, you know, quarterback, isn't it? Yeah, you know, so yep. I didn't think Mond really was as mobile as DTR and Watson. So this this would make sense to me. Um, and he's got a little experience. I mean, Dobbs had the edge because he, even though he'd only started two games, at least he had started two games and they were both last year. He'd been around and this guy's been around. So he's not overwhelmed by the situation. I think Thompson Robinson has started 48 games in college. So he's a, he's not your typical wide eyed rookie. I mean, sure it's the NFL, but at least he's been in a big time situation for five years at college. Yeah. yeah um, He's uh PJ Walker started seven games. I think he's four and three for his career, if I heard that right. So he adds a little more experience than what they had. I think he's better than Mond, who basically the Browns have turned into a human yo-yo over the past week as they sit, bring him back and forth on the roster. Uh, but uh he's got his head's gotta be spinning after this whole process. Um Harrison Bryant, there was no real we don't know what happened with him health-wise, I guess, at this point, but he's been in practice two straight days. Does he look okay to you from what you've seen? Yeah, he does. He was catching passes today, and he's running around. He he looked like nothing was wrong with him. Um, it was one of those mysterious things I yeah. mean, with HIPAA laws and stuff, and yeah. as tight-lipped as Stefanski is, the most he ever said was he had a medical condition. But it was strange because it seemed like it was two or three weeks and you'd see him out there at practice every day, kind of like Marquise Goodwin. Um, and he was smiling, he was laughing, but he, he wasn't limping or anything and he didn't have his uniform on. So I don't have any idea what was wrong with yeah. him. I actually texted him and he never responded. So that told me all I needed is that, he didn't want to talk about it. So, you know, that we're just kind of, you know, it'll probably eventually he'll, he hasn't interviewed with, with us all training camp. I don't know if he'll say anything when that time comes, but 
I guess at this point doesn't matter. It wasn't enough to keep him from being out there every day. I mean, the different, like Goodwin, they said right up front, he's got blood clots in his lungs and his leg. Yeah. I almost think they wouldn't have said anything about that. You know, just saying he's got a medical condition. Maybe Goodwin said it's okay to talk about. I don't know, but it's one yeah, of those it's great probably mysteries. be up to the player, I would think, right? Yeah, I would think so. And if he With says, I don't off. want you talking about it, but. Yeah. It's interesting, though. You're absolutely right. The, the two, compared to how they were handled, it, it would, it's kind of a stark uh, stark difference there. Well, and it, both. not that it's that important, but it made it tough trying to predict the roster. You didn't yeah. know if he's, like, indefinitely sidelined or, you know, or what. And so that's why, you know, when they brought in Miller Forrestal, I thought, okay, you yeah. know, there's your third <laughs> – yeah. Tight end. Well, then today they signed Zaire Mitchell Payton back as the third tight end, you know, and the, well, the fourth really on the practice squad. So, yeah. Who knows? Mitchell Payton uh, is back on the practice squad. Uh, I We have a question here, Fred, that Barry sent over uh, from the forums uh, about uh, the whole, with the whole, you know, how much we've talked about kicker lately. Uh, so the question was um, that he wanted us to ask is um, who would be the backup kicker if the kicker got hurt? Who would be the backup holder if the holder got hurt? And who would be the backup long snapper if the long snapper got hurt? Any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they do have contingency plans. I mean, with Jarvis Landry was here, he was the third quarterback. Yeah. Um, Juan Thornhill was lobbying for it the other day when we were talking to him. He said he played quarterback and he said he can, he didn't say he was officially the emergency quarterback, but I'm sure there's a lot of these guys that were like the best player on their oh, high yeah. school team and were the quarterback. Um, but I don't, you know, I haven't looked into it as far as that goes, but right now you got three quarterbacks on the roster so I don't know who the fourth would be. Um, hopefully we don't get to that. As far as the kicker, right now they have a kicker on the practice squad. So if one happened in the game, um, I would guess it would be right? the punter. Yeah. Bajorquez. And he's the holder. So the backup, you know, holder is, is usually a quarterback. So I would think it'd be like DTR or yeah. PJ Walker. They usually cross train them. I mean, when, and then the backup snapper, Mac Wilson was the backup snapper and he was a linebacker when he was here. I really? haven't heard in recent years who they have. Um, but you can, you can be assured they have one on the roster that's active. Um, and, and many times they've they practice two or three of them just in case of a backup to the backup. So I can't mm. give you any names right now because I've never it's never come up, you know, as far yeah. as the backup snapper. Um <laughs> they don't even list one on the depth chart. Um yeah. Hewlett, I don't think, has ever missed a snap since he's been here eight, nine years. So I don't know what kind of questions. You know, our people, I always say, 
our people have them, you know, at a lot of the publications, it's very surface Browns fans. Ours are so in-depth. They yeah. want to know who the third string, you know, back up to the right tackle is, you know, type of a thing. Emergency so snapper. It's like, that's what we try to do, you know, find the backup to the backup long snapper. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. They, uh, they are very intelligent, uh, our OBR followers, uh, and, uh, great, uh, football fans. But yeah, you would, you would think it would be like somebody, a center, right? That would make the most sense. Somebody that already snaps the ball, but Mac Wilson, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't know if Luke Whipler did it at Ohio state, you know, um, you got Nick, you got three centers. So, you know, maybe one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so with, uh, that, uh, we just about done here on OBR weekly, Fred, you've been fantastic, uh, covering all this the past few days, so much going on. Any real, anything that really jumped out to you surprise wise besides, you know, uh, Khalif, let me make sure I say, you know, I, you know, this might be the fewest waiver claims, you know, that I've witnessed, you know, in the years covering, especially in the last 10, 15 years, it seems like they claim five, six, seven guys. And <laughs> a couple of them start the next, you know, the, the next game, it shows you how far this roster has come. Yeah. And for those, you know, Browns fans that, you know, and we've kind of picked at it in the media a little too, Andrew Barry, you know, never let go of a draft pick. I mean, guys, when you'd see them, you go, that guy's clearly better than the guy, you know, say what you will about Anthony Schwartz, different guys like that. But I think he cut five draft picks Yep. Um, in the last couple of days. He cut Schwartz. He cut, um, you know, I'm drawing a blank, you know, Felton. on, on the Felton. guys. Felton and guys you, we talked about coming back. Um, yep. And, and so, Kudos to him taking the best guys, you know, on the roster and trying to make the best team. And it just shows you the depth. And I think that will improve your special teams. When you have better players at the bottom of the roster, you usually have a better special teams. And I really think that they've got more depth where you can tell by the questions, you know, the big topic the last couple of weeks has been, you know, what about Cade York? Well, they decided they couldn't go any longer. I really think Cade York's going to be a good kicker in this league. I watched him for two yeah. years and he's got it. He's just got to get it between the ears. And once he does, he'll probably be like Daniel Carlson. You know, man, we should have never let him go, but I get it. They could not afford to go line up with the Bengals next week and have the game on the line. He misses the game winning field goal that even though it's the first game, it could cost you the playoffs or, or the, any of the following games. Dustin Hopkins, no guarantees he's going to make it, but I talked to him today. I like his demeanor. He's an 11-year yeah. veteran. He's been there, done that. He doesn't seem phased by anything, um, you know, and and so that's kind of where I think York will end up, but right now, you know, they had to deal with the situation, so I give credit to Andrew Barry to cut a fourth-round pick, you know, and, and – um, and go with a veteran that's ready to go as a career 85% percentage. So um, when you look at that, 
our our biggest my biggest question on starters was Jordan Elliott, and they went out and got Shelby Harris. So not only do they have solid twenty two starters, and I don't think any are unless they get injured between now and the opener are going to be not playing unless Denzel Ward doesn't come back. Yeah, but Jerome Ford's the biggest question injury wise, and then we're talking about depth and backup positions. So all this being said, I just think that the Browns are in good position. I've said it before. This is the best roster I've covered, you know, since I've covered the team. I don't know what that'll translate into wins. I'll tell you next week. So we have a good crowd tonight. Need to all come back next week and I'll tell you what's going to happen. Did pick, I think 50 out of 53 on the, well, actually 51 out of 54 because I was I put Tony Fields and or Jordan Kunasik because we didn't know what would happen with him. So I I did 40, 54 guys, and that was before York was dealt. So kind of have a good pulse on things. We'll see what's going on when we, you know, get back next week, but I'll lay it out there. I'm going to have a season preview next week, and uh, I think I think you're going to be happy you know, on what, what this season brings, you know, as far as the Browns, the biggest thing is they're in a meat grinder division and in a meat grinder AFC overall. I mean, there's six, seven, eight teams that all think they can go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. So it's, it's really, in my opinion, imperative to get off to a good start in the division. And I think you have a good opportunity with the Bengals and the new defense unveiled under Jim Schwartz and so forth. So that's kind of my overview, you know, now there's any other questions, anything like that. I think you said it well, Fred and uh, everybody come back next week for Fred's uh, season preview. And he's going to lay it out there for you for uh, what to expect, but uh, uh, very well done, Fred and get some rest tonight. We appreciate you and everything you do at the site uh you're always uh on top of things and locked in so uh thanks for everybody for tuning in here on the obr for uh ian behind the virtual glass fred greetham my name is brad ward have a lovely wednesday evening thanks brad thanks for good job thanks everybody This is Sandra Oreda from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. women's national team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third.